Thank you uh, for all the prayers for my family over the past uh, few weeks. It's a uh, it's been an interesting ride. In fact, the, w- the way home on Monday was, uh, was maybe the most interesting part of the ride. Um, coming over the mountain was, was fun. We were glad to have four-wheel drive. And so, but uh, it, was, it was good to be home with family, and it's uh, good to be back here with family as well. We had uh, a lot of laughs, uh, some tears, and then we followed us up with some more laughs. Um, my mom got a bunch of houseplants, and mom's not necessarily big on houseplants, and she's like, I, I ended up just killing him. And so... Uh, my parents' church uh, bought a house plant, had a house plant there for mom for, for the service. And so, uh, mom's like, she's just going to leave it there. And uh, scared's like, ooh, that, that, that's, that's kind of nice. It was, it was, mom's like, we'll just take it. She brought it home, and, and uh, we're trying to figure out how to get it home from St. Louis to here. And uh, the, the, the best way to bring it home was, it, was to have it sitting in a, a black trash bag to kind of help protect it a little bit. And the best place to have it in the truck on the way home was at Josiah's feet. Um, now, now in our house, occasionally we name our plants because if we name our plants, it helps us keep them alive better. Because and so, uh, so we have a, a, a nerve plant that we've called Minerva. Uh, we have a couple of spider plants that we we've named Charlotte and Wilbur from Charlotte's Web. Uh, um, and, and so, this one we thought was appropriate to name Grandpa, which which made. Uh, uh, each stop a little bit interesting for those who might have been within earshot of us as we would c- constantly tell Josiah, don't step on grandpa. And so, <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, it, it, it was a good trip, uh, good to see uh, family and to meet some of my dad's coworkers and to hear them speak how, uh, so respectfully of, of his work and, and their time together and, and his friendship with them. And so um, we... Uh, we appreciate all your, your thoughts and prayers uh, through this time. Um, I want to welcome those who are joining us o- online, as is a, a, a bit bl- uh, uh, slippery out there today. So we, well, we might be a little thin in here. We, and we were prepared that it might just be Saray, uh, 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 Jaden, myself, and David. And I, I told Jaden, hey, if we do that, I need juice over here and Saray's over here so that I can, I, I can still speak to both sides. And so um, th- th- that's why... Uh, uh, for those of you here, that's why Jane had to come over and get his stuff because he had his stuff already <laughs> set over here. But, uh, uh, but we're glad that, that, that we have this technology that if you don't feel safe uh, to, uh, to come out on a Sunday, that you can still join in and worship with us at the same time, maybe in different places, but still in the same heart and same mind. Uh, if you want to follow along with us at home uh, the, uh, or even here in the house, the sermon notes are on the YouTube version Bible app, and today's uh, sermon title is No Shortcuts. I remember today, and, and that's good because if you took a shortcut on the, tried to take a shortcut on the way to church this morning, you might have ended up in a ditch somewhere, and so hopefully you didn't take any shortcuts. You stayed on the road and uh, are, are safe, and so we are uh, glad that we can uh, get into that today. Before we do so, I want to go to God in prayer, and uh, uh, maybe uh, some of you may uh, remember uh, Naomi Mefford. She taught our, our our little ones for years and years here. And she is, she had been in the hospital uh, for uh, a little bit of time and she came home Friday night, I believe if I remember right. If not, she's for sure she's home now. And so she had uh, some sort of um, ailment. What uh, uh, wasn't uh, let in exactly what that was, but she's uh, well enough to be home and uh, seems to be on the road to recovery. And so uh, we'll be continuing to pray for uh, uh, Naomi uh, at this time. So but before we go any further, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you. Uh, for this time uh, to help us uh, as we gather together today, as we uh, join uh, with other believers around this world, around 
this country and singing your praises today, that you are good and that you are our God. Father, we thank you that you uh, love us and that uh, through all of this, that you are uh, bringing about new life in us. You're resurrecting new life in us. That no matter what trials we face, your love is there to walk with us. Father, I pray that you are our vision. As we leave here today, that we see you and that we see the path that you would have us walk. And may we walk in that each day that you would be glorified in and through us. Father, we thank you for Naomi, and we thank you for the service that she has given to so many children uh, through the years. And Father, we pray that uh, today, as she continues to recover, that you would give her strength and healing. Father, you give uh, uh, Fred uh, the the strength to help continue to uh, uh, meet her needs each day as she returns to health. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you most of all for Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. If you are uh, uh, at home or, 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 or joining us, uh, if you would let us know uh, that you, where you're joining us from today, you can do so at our connection page at cchmd.com connect. You can fill out the connection card there. If you are new with us, uh, you can also just text the word new to 240-347-0897. And so we'd love to know where everyone is joining us from Today And as we get started, uh, we're going to take a step back. We've been, uh, we're in the book of Matthew, and we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount, but we're going to take a step back today uh, a little bit. I want to start today with a question. Have you ever been tempted to take a shortcut? Have you ever been tempted to take a shortcut? You, you know, maybe, uh, you know, you, things have been a little tight financially in your house, and you're like, hey, here is a quick way for you to make a buck. Here's this, here's this get-rich-quick scheme, and that's easy, harder to say than I thought it was going to be. And so and maybe you say, hey, if I just do this one thing, all of a sudden, I'm going to come into a bunch of money. Have you ever thought about, hey, how do you take, you know, I, I, you hear these things, these shortcuts, you can have your beach body by next weekend, right? You know, it's like, hey, if you just do this one thing, man, you will have your beach body ready to go next weekend, and it, and we, and because we live in this instant gratification culture. No one wants to wait for results. Why wait for your results when you can have them yesterday, right? And no, you know, we, we, just, we, we just, life is like, we want things now. We want things now. We, want, we live in this gratification culture, instant gratification culture. The one thing that seems true about most shortcuts is that they usually are a shortcut to disaster right? I mean, that get-rich-quick scheme is likely either illegal or, or filled with an immense amount of risk. And, and, and that, that supplement that they say, hey, take this to have your beach body by next weekend, well, who knows well, the, the chemical cocktail that may be involved in it that may not really be good for you or your body. Sure, you can get your results quick, but at what cost? Sometimes we think the only ones, sometimes we think we're the only ones who are tempted to cut corners. Sometimes we think maybe we're the only ones who might uh, be tempted to, to take a deal that might seem just a little bit shady, just a little bit questionable, to achieve and acquire the things that we want faster than is possibly wise. Because who really wants to wait when you can have, when Amazon will deliver what you want tomorrow, right? I mean, who wants to wait? Who wants to save it? Who wants to wait for that time when you can have it tomorrow? But, but Having things fast is not always a good thing. Did you know, though, that Jesus was tempted to cut corners? 
Did you know that Jesus was tempted to take a shortcut? Jesus was tempted with having everything that he could possibly want. The reason, the very reason why he came, he could have it in an instant. But God's plan with our timing rarely yields God's results. God's plan with our timing rarely yields God's results. We see uh, that anytime we step out of line with God's will, things tend to not go so well. They don't yield God's results for us, for our church, our world. Only when we follow God's plan with God's timing do we get God's results. And so as we look at this event from the life of Jesus, I want you to, to think about a time when maybe you've been tempted to take a shortcut. Maybe you've been tempted to, to, um, take, uh, to, 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 to cut a corner somewhere. Because we've all been tempted. All day, every day, in between times. We have these times when temptations come our way. But temptations by themselves are not wrong. Temptations by themselves are not a sin. But how we handle them, how we respond to them, reveals whether we have sinned or not. So when, we, when we're faced with temptation, maybe we make the right decision. Maybe we, temptation comes our way and we're able to, to, to fend it off. Maybe we're able to overcome today. Maybe there's been another time when temptation has come our way and we've taken the shortcut and it's come back to hurt us. We all can look back at our life and the choices that we've made and consider those times when we've walked with Jesus and we've made the decisions God would want us to make versus the times we've gone our own way. As we can see, as we're going to learn that we can have more of the kingdom of God in our life as we approach temptations with the same heart and thought as Jesus. Because the kingdom of God exists wherever God is king. So if you would, turn, me, turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, as I said, we're going to take a, a step backward in the life of Jesus. This is before the Sermon on the Mount, before the selection of the disciples. This is the only main significant thing that's happened in the life of Jesus, in the ministry of Jesus, is his baptism. He, he goes down to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. And, and, and as he comes down to John to be baptized, John looks at Jesus and says, whoa, 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 you, you should be baptizing me. You should be baptizing me. I know who you are, and, and I know that you are greater than I am. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, this is right. This is proper so that everything can be done to fulfill righteousness. So John baptizes Jesus, goes into the water, comes back up out of the water. And as he comes back up out of the water, the scripture says that the spirit of God descends on him like a dove and a voice is heard from heaven. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I don't know about you. That was not said at my baptism. My dad baptized me. He held me under far longer than I thought he needed to and brought me up. And then we got out of there because the waters were really cold that November day in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Jesus is baptized. Because he went to fulfill all righteousness. And as he's brought up out of the water, it says, the scripture then says that, that, that he is sent out into the wilderness. The way Mark writes it is like he is thrust. He is thrown. He's like forced to go into the wilderness. Matthew writes for it like this. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. 
Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. And he said, all this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. Jesus sent out into the wilderness. He's forced out into the wilderness. And as he goes, he, 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 is, he, goes, and he goes out there for this time of, of fasting. He goes out there for this time of, of, of separation, of prayer, of preparation for the ministry that is to come. It's, it's funny that sometimes we fail to think about the power of solitude, the power of, of getting away, power of silence, the power of fasting, the power of prayer, what it can mean for our life. But Jesus, Jesus saw that the beginning of his ministry, before he did anything significant, he needed to get away from it all and to just have time between him and his father. This is going to be anything but a vacation, anything but a period of rest, as we just read. Jesus goes into to, to the wilderness and, and to have, and it was kind of, like I said, it was kind of this half-to kind of moment. It wasn't like, would you like to go to the wilderness? No, it was like, he is like thrust. He is forced into the wilderness. And he goes and he's there for 40 days and 40 nights. And he fasts. And scripture says that he was hungry. Sometimes I'm hungry after 40 minutes. You know, I'm definitely hungry after 40 hours. Jesus went 40 days. 40 days without food. And oftentimes when we read this, we tend to look at Jesus' physical state and we think, man, he has got to be weak at this point. He's got to be weak. While physically he may have been empty, spiritually he was full. While physically he may have been empty, spiritually he was full. And too often our experience is the opposite, isn't it? Too often times, we are physically full, but spiritually empty. And so Jesus goes in the wilderness, and while he empties himself, he, 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 he is weakened physically, spiritually, he is being filled. 40 days of being in intimate communion with his Father. And the key question he has to ask is here at the start of his ministry, what kind of Messiah is he going to be? What kind of Messiah is he going to be? Because the crowds, the crowds want a political Messiah. The crowds want him to come in and just push Rome out and raise up an army and declare him king. Now, they don't know that he's the Messiah, but when they see the Messiah, they are going to want that kind of Messiah to come in and to kick Rome out. The crowds want to be a conquering king. He, they want, they're looking for the new Moses to lead their people to freedom. See, everyone was hoping for a political hero. But we learn that God's deliverance rarely comes through political power. 
God's deliverance rarely comes through political power. In fact, in this singular event, Jesus is going to show himself to be the personification of three different Old Testament people, Old Testament figures. First of all, he shows himself to be the personification of Israel. Israel spends 40 years wandering around the wilderness. And Jesus spends 40 days and 40 nights in fasting and prayer. Israel has to go to the, 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 the wilderness for 40 years because they disobey God. They, they, they fail to have the faith that God will deliver the promised land to them. And so God makes them wander until that whole generation disappears. And Jesus goes into the wilderness to spend 40 days and 40 nights to prepare himself to walk in the steps of his father. As he makes his way from the wilderness, we always kind of picture this at the end of the 40 days, right? At the end of the 40 days, he, he is then confronted with these three temptations. And he makes his way, Satan confronts him and gives him options for an easier route to his messianic ministry. And as we saw earlier, as we've talked about earlier, shortcuts short circuit God's plan for us. Shortcuts short circuit God's plan for us. A lot of times we want to get there quicker. We want to to do things in our time and we get to, to the place where we want to get to faster than God may want us to get there. But God wants for us what we want for us. But there's the right timing, the right place, there's the right, maybe there's some preparation he needs to do in in our life and the world around us so we can be ready in that moment. Shortcuts, short circuit God's plan for us. So each of Satan's shortcuts, each of his temptations, start with the word if. If you are the son of God, if you are, if, 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 because he knows that if he can begin to change our mind, if he can begin to raise some doubt, he can possibly change our mind. This is the same trick he used on Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Satan comes up to, him, to Eve and she's, he says to her, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Is that what he really said? You can't, can't you can hear that kind of voice? He begins to just, raise just a little bit of doubt in, in Eve's mind. And Eve begins to question. I says, well, what about this fruit? It's pleasing for food. Tastes good. Gives you knowledge. Pleasing to the eye. Why don't you grab some and take a bite? She grabs some and she eats some and she gives some to her husband. Adam eats as well. And sin enters the garden. Because Satan loves to raise just enough doubt that he can then use that to change our mind about what God's truth really says. Quick word about doubt. Doubt is not necessarily bad. Not all doubt is bad because without doubt, it's hard to have faith, right? We have to have both sides of this, of this, ten, of this rope to have the tension we need to have the faith. That holds. So we need doubt so that we can also have faith. But our doubts... When we face doubt, when doubt begins to creep up in our life, we need our doubts to drive us closer, to draw us closer to God and not cause us to run from Him. See, doubt ought to give us a reason to, to lean more into faith, to lean more into God rather than run from Him. And so Satan comes to Jesus and says, If, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. 
right? Because it's been 40 days since he's eaten. 40 days, we know he's hungry. We know that, he's, he, that he physically is probably quite weak. And so Satan comes up to him and says, if you're the son of God, prove it, right? It sounds like the typical playground thing, right? Well, I can do this. Prove it, right? You know, you've seen, you may, maybe there's, there's, there's memes and there's videos on, uh, on, the, on YouTube. You just go there and you say, hey, you, see, you watch people proving they can do stuff, and sometimes they can, and sometimes they fail miserably, much to our uh, 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 amusement. Hey, 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 hey. Thank you. Uh, I don't English very well all the time. And so, yeah, our music, sometimes we just sit there and we'll just watch videos and just laugh hysterically because people, it is fun to watch people do stupid stuff, right? Hey, prove it. And Jesus, Satan comes to Jesus and says, hey, prove it. Prove you are the son of God by turning these stones into bread. Now, the question for you, is there anything wrong with eating when you're hungry? No. I mean, when I'm hungry, I want to eat. And so at some point this afternoon, after we leave here, I'm going to go home and get me some lunch because, by golly, I'm going to be hungry. And my, my cereal from this morning will have done left me, and I'll be ready to eat. But the temptation here is not, is not, Jesus, you shouldn't be eating right now. But the temptation is that he is going to meet his physical needs through miraculous means. See, if Jesus uses his power for selfishly here, here at the beginning of his ministry, when it's easy, when it's simple, how do you think Gethsemane and the cross will go at the end? If Jesus is tempted to use his miraculous power to meet his physical needs now, how do you think Gethsemane goes? He begins to sweat grape, uh, drops of blood. And he's faced with the pain and the agony of the cross. Does he stand? Does he, does he, does he continue? Does he, does he continue to walk with his father? Or does he take the easy way out? See, if Jesus meets his physical needs through miraculous means, it takes him out of the realm of human existence. Because who of us here can turn stones into bread? I mean, I mean, there's been many a hike I've been on with, with my children. Like, I'm hungry! Here, here's some bread. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But no, I mean, that'd be awesome if we could do that. We have, God has not given me that power. See, if Jesus turns the stones into bread, the Hebrew writer can't say for we, for, that we have this high priest who's, who's able to sympathize. He, says, he writes for us, we have this high priest who's, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Because without sin, it's not a sin to eat when you're hungry, but it would have been a sin for Jesus to meet his personal needs through physical means, through the selfish way. John will write many years later. He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Here, Jesus proves that he is the better Adam because he overcomes the temptation of the lust of the flesh. See, Adam and Eve, they fell in the garden when Satan tempted them to eat the food God had commanded them not to eat. But Jesus combats Satan 
this temptation with scripture. For man does not live on bread alone, but in every word that comes from the mouth of God. There's Jesus. He's in the garden. He's in the, the wilderness. He's being tempted. He's, he's hungry. Here's, here's some stones. Turn them to bread. Prove that you're the son of God. He said, I don't need bread to live. I need to live on the words of my father. Continuing the, the link with the Israelites' desert experience, the, this text also, uh, the, the, the scripture that Jesus quoted comes from, comes from their connection to God through the feeding of the manna. As they were in the, the wilderness and they were traveling, like, why did you bring us out here to die? Why did you bring us out here to die, Moses? And God began to feed them. The man each morning, appear on the ground, they'd go and they'd collect it. They, he would, he would send, them, send them quail. Like, we, we could use some meat. Because the Israelites, if they were good at one thing, they were good at complaining. We could use some meat, God. And so he brings in some quail for them. And men each morning, they would eat and have enough. We live not by bread, but on the words of God. Jesus refuses to take the shortcut even for a bite of bread. And so then Satan takes him to Jerusalem. And he takes him up on to the highest point of the temple. And said that this point of the temple looks down over the Kidron Valley. And so you not only would you have just the ground below, but then the, the, the mountain sl- slopes even further away into a deep valley. And he takes him up there and he says, you know what? if you are the son of man, why don't you just go ahead and throw yourself down? Throw yourself down from here. And then Satan shows that he knows how to use scripture too. And so he quotes Psalm 91. He says, he, isn't it written that he will command his angels concerning you? They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Come on, we, two, two can play this game, right? So, so if you're going to quote scripture, I'm going to quote scripture back to you. We're up here. Here's the temple. Throw yourself down. Let's see if God will catch you. Once again, if, if you are the son of God, prove it. Prove it. See, this is Jewish tradition. This Jewish tradition said that the Messiah would appear on top of the temple. And there he would announce himself the Messiah. And so if Jesus does this, everyone would immediately see him and know that he is the Messiah. And you might be thinking, man, that would cut out a whole lot of messy ministry here in the, later on, right? He, he wouldn't have to go through all the, the teaching and, and he, he wouldn't even have to go through the crucifixion for us. He would just be the Messiah. He would just deliver us, right? Man, that would cut out all the hard parts, Jesus. What, what? That's just the point. They would have come to him for the show and not because of faith. They would have come to him for the show. They would have come to the display, the power. They would have come to him for the wrong reasons instead of coming to put their faith in him. And so Satan tempts Jesus with the boastful pride of life. Jump from Jump from this highest point and, and, and let's see, let's watch God catch you before your foot even hits the bottom of the valley. Wouldn't it be amazing if you did this and you lived your life without even a scratch? That would be a story. Jesus, can you imagine being able to tell that story to others? And they would just be, you just like one up them every 
time. So if you say, here, here, listen to this great story, and you would just have to go, oh, hold on a second. Let me tell you about my story. But the time that I jumped off the temple, and God's angels catch, caught me, right? Satan says, prove it. If you are the son of God, prove it. Jesus rejects this temptation to reveal who he, who he is through unnatural means. And he responds again with scripture. And he says, it's written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So you must not test God's faithfulness to his word, especially by manufacturing a situation in which we force God to act in a certain way. God wants us to, to pray to him, to, 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 to come to him, to ask him things, to, to engage him in that way, but to put him in a position to force him to respond in this sort of way. Jesus says, it's written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So Satan has one more, uh, one more temptation, one more uh, uh, option for him. And he takes a mountain. He takes him up on top of the mountain. And, and, and from this spot, you can see all the roads to all the kingdoms of the known world. And he says, all this I will give to you if you bow down and worship me. Satan promises all the kingdoms of the world, if all Jesus does is bow down and worship him. Now, the traditional site of this temptation is a mountain called Quarantania, which feels like the place that we've all been for the last year, right? And so, uh, and I probably didn't pronounce it right, but it's Quarantania, it's something like that. But from the spot, you can, you can see you can see all the roads to all the kingdoms. You can see the, the, the road to Egypt, to, the road to Rome, to, to, to Egypt, to Persia, to Assyria, to Greece. They're visible from this mountain. And Satan tempts him with the lust of the eyes. Everything you see, everything you see can be yours for the low, low price of worshiping me. And the word worship we think of that as uh, maybe thinking that Satan wants Jesus to worship him, I mean, continue to worship him. But really, all Satan is asking for is one single solitary bend of the knee. Not lifetime, not continued. Once. Just this once. And even that request is totally outrageous. But yet I wonder, how many times have we been tempted that we could have what we want? We simply, we simply just bow our knee once. And maybe not our knee, because that's not really how we express worship uh, in, in our culture, but we bow our knee in other ways. The other things, the power to prestige, to position. We bend our knee, thinking that it will help us get ahead just a little bit. Presented with a shortcut, we bend our knee. Instead of responding as Jesus does, he looks at Satan and says, Scripture says, worship the Lord your God, 
and serve him only. See, with this firm insistence on worshiping God alone, it makes Matthew's theme, especially towards, as, as the as gospel goes on, of worshiping Jesus, much more significant, much more significant declaration of Jesus' divinity. Right now, it may just appear that Jesus is another guy, that he is just a man. But as the gospel goes along, we see that Jesus reveals himself as more than just a man, but as the son of God, as as divine. And in Matthew 28, as they gather on the mountain before Jesus ascends into heaven, it says that they gather and they worship. For Matthew, writing to a Jewish audience who's already gone into captivity once for worshiping other gods, that was the main attack against Jesus, that he was making himself God. And the Jews were not going to make that mistake again of worshiping someone else in the place of God. Jesus comes and tries to reveal himself, but yet they are blinded. They're not able to see. But Matthew and the other disciples, they see. They see Jesus for who he really is. That he is one to be worshipped because he himself is God. So Matthew's, Matthew doesn't, never wavers from his, 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 thought, his belief in worshipping God alone, but this only accentuates his belief that Jesus was God, that Jesus is the king. So notice, you notice how Jesus responded to each of the temptations each of the temptations, he responded with scripture. When we battle Satan, when we battle temptation, when we use scripture, he will run. See, the word of God is key in conquering the tempter. See, when God's word is close to our heart, our feet are close to his path. When God's word is close to our heart, his, our feet walk close to his path. That's why Psalm 119 is so powerful. It says, how can a young person stay on their path of purity? By living according to your word. The psalmist also writes, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. He says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. When God's word is close to our heart, our feet walk close to his path. See, Satan came and he tempted Jesus to shortcut mission, to take a shortcut, to, to cut a corner. And Jesus accepted none of Satan's temptations because if he did, he could not have been our savior. He would have either, he would have either not been able to sympathize with us because he met his physical needs through miraculous power. Because we would have used his power to make a name for himself, to declare himself in a way that was revealed himself in pride by jumping off the temple. He would have been declared um, ineligible by worshiping something that was not God. See, we need Jesus to face these temptations, the same temptations we face, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life, we need Jesus to face those same temptations, yet do so without sin. 
See, Jesus was the better Adam. He was the better Adam because he did not fall to Satan's lie to turn stones to bread because they appear good for food, because they're pleasing the eye, because they're, through them you're able to gain knowledge. He didn't fall for the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life. Jesus was the better Israel. He was the better Israel because he came through the wilderness and did not fall. He did not test God. He did not worship other gods. He didn't try to take care of his own needs through his own terms, nor did he bow his knee to another. This makes Jesus able to be the better and truer Moses. To be the deliverer of his people. That he would take in his body our sin. Be the sacrifice for us so that he might welcome us into freedom, into his kingdom. If you want to make Jesus your king today, you want to make Jesus your savior, we want, you to, we want to know. We want to be able to walk with you in this journey. We want to help you experience this freedom in your life. And so if you would, if you would let us know, you can do so on the connection card at cchmd.com connect. And there, as you put in your information, as you scroll down, there's a spot where you can let us know the decisions you may want to make today. One of those says, become a Christian. You can click that box, and we'll help you walk with you in this journey and, and help you choose Jesus as your Savior. He, in his body, took upon himself our sin. All the shortcuts we've taken, all the temptations we have fallen to, all the lies we have told, all the lies we've believed, he paid for on the cross. You can also let us know by texting the word life to 240-347-0897. As Jesus overcame sin, he overcame temptation. He was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. So we have a high priest who can stand before God, who can be the sacrifice for us, the sacrifice for our sins so we can be welcomed into his kingdom and into his freedom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you that Jesus overcame these temptations. Father, I pray that we can learn from him to use scripture, to walk close to your path by keeping your word close to our heart. Father, when we are faced with shortcuts, may we not take them because they will only short-circuit your plan for us, your desires for us, your, your, your way for us, that we can glorify you, that we can honor you, that we can praise you, that we can serve you. Father, would you help us to walk in step with you, that you might be glorified in all that we do, all that we say. Father, we might help others enter into your freedom, enter into your kingdom, that you might be king of their life as you have been made king in ours. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you most of all for Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. We're glad that you have joined us either here in house or at home uh, with us today. Uh, we hope you have a great week, and we'll see you again next Sunday.